Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Well, hello there. Do you find that you often walk the line? Uh, like a... Or before Christ, were you worried that you might have fallen into the burning ring of fire? The ring of fire. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. Today, September 12th, 2003, Johnny Cash died. Oh. Yeah. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. That 2003. That's yep. a long time ago. That is a long time ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Dude, you're old. That 20 years ago. You're old. I am. Yep. It's all that gray hair. Um, it's getting to you. But I don't have to be the strongest guy in the room anymore. Hey, can I... <laughs> so, speaking of getting old. Okay. Is it a thing that as you get older, that words come to your mouth slower? Is that a real thing? <laughs> is this because I was stuttering the other day during no, the podcast? No, 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 no. I, I've been noticing it in my life, and it feels like it's... I don't know. It just seems like it's happening more frequently, and it's harder to capture the right word that I'm looking for. Is Probably. that a thing? Probably. I hate this. Probably. I mean, I, I have to imagine that the mental acuity in our brains slows down I as we this. age. I'm just going to die then. <laughs> I don't want to go through this process. I hate it. This is awful. I want, I'm used to having words at the ready, like swords. It's like da 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 And having to delay it or even have a hiccup where I'm like, oh, where'd the word go? I don't like this, man. This is awful. <laughs> you're like, can you turn on the light switch? But instead of switch, you're like, can you turn on the light flip thing? Flipper, upper downer, that thing trick thing doom thing of a bomb yeah I, I yeah i imagine it probably is and it's 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 why i'll never forget the story of this guy at master cw smith who had this is to the the nth degree with this situation but he was diagnosed with cancer was dying of cancer and on his deathbed he had lost his ability to to speak and to sing right and he that was one of his favorite things to do is is to sing and especially sing hymns and one of the um professors gathered around his bedside asked him a question hey cw are you afraid to to die do you fear death and he he motioned for his whiteboard and he grabbed it and he wrote on there he said no he said i can't wait to be able to sing again Mm, that's sweet and it's that mentality right and so as we as our bodies naturally break down over time and we begin to feel the the effects of the fall uh, as we age i think it is at the same time a grace of god Mm -hmm. that can increase a hunger within us for eternity because I remember as a young man thinking to myself, man, I, I don't, I don't want to die. I, that's not something that, that appeals to me at all. Like Weird. conceptually, I knew that heaven was a good place to be and, and desirable to be with God. But when you're young, I think there's so much vibrancy and youth and potential in front of you that you think to yourself, yeah, but, but not yet. So good I don't here. want that. Right. Yeah. I think the older we get, the more we resonate with John saying, come Lord Jesus. Yeah. Like it's time. Well, I think it also helps me get a, have a little more compassion. When I was young, I just thought, man, why, why do they talk so slow? Right. Why are they taking so much time? And they're, they, they're, you know, they'll have their, what do you call them? Brain farts or whatever we call them today. <laughs> where they part of my language where they're just slow to get to the point. Yeah. And I think now that I'm getting older, I mean, granted, I still got a, a years to go. Who knows? Maybe I do anyway that I feel like, okay, I've misunderstood this whole thing. Right. As a young man, I was such a, a strong word here. I was such a dummy, like an idiot, 
because I had little patience and little compassion. And the older I get, the more I realize I was just I had no idea. I yeah. had no idea. Well, and then you look at people like John MacArthur, who's in his 80s, or Chuck Swindoll, who's out here preaching still, or you look at some of the other faithful saints that have been able to do some of these things long, 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 long into their their senior years. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's impressive. Yep. It's impressive. All the more. Yeah. Yeah. Just a testimony of faithfulness. Well, let's get into Proverbs, Proverbs 21, 22, and then we'll go to second Corinthians chapter four, Proverbs 21. How about verse one? The King's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. This is one of the more difficult concepts for us to, to reconcile. And that is that God is sovereign over those that he puts in power and even over the the actions of those that he puts in power. Uh, Cyrus was a Persian king that he called his servant. Nebuchadnezzar, similarly, uh, he, he used Reed Habakkuk, and, and we will eventually. And you'll see that, that Nebuchadnezzar was at the beck and call of God to do his bidding. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was an inherently evil and wicked man. Or you think today of, of our current political landscape, and you might think of political leaders today and think, well, wow, the, the heart of that guy, his, his heart is like streams in the hand of God and God is directing it wherever he will. Well, why isn't God directing it somewhere better than what he seems to be directing it? That's a good question. And, and I wish I had a nice, nice, easy tie a bow on an answer for you, which I, I don't really aside from we were not God. He, he understands far more than we understand in, in what he's doing and what he sees from a God's eye view. We see from a, an, an earthbound view and he's, his perspective on things is perfect. And we need to trust that when we read in scripture that he is good and he's right and he's perfect and he's holy, then we need to understand that, okay, we may not fully comprehend who he's got leading and why he's got this person and what this person is doing, but we can trust that God's sovereign over this, this situation that he knows better than we do. Dude, God is playing like a thousand D chess, right? Six uh, D chess. He, he's not. Well, we're, we're thinking about life in checkers terminology here. We're trying to figure out, okay, what's God doing? Why does He allow this person in power? Why does He allow that? Right. Dude, we we read books to our kids like, oh, the 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 cat ran next to the bat. The bat was next to the hat. I mean. And for the kids, it's like, oh, this is enthralling. I love this. It's so amazing. <laughs> What's going to happen next? What's happening? Yeah. We're that kid. And all the while, it's like, oh, you don't even know the half of it, kid. When you right. get older, you can read some really good stories and some really twisty, turny stories. Remember that you, you recently um, gave away the very critical spoiler to a, a movie that some of us haven't seen yet. And we're not bitter or salty about that uh, because we can't watch the movie now without knowing what happened. <laughs> Thanks so much. A movie that came out in like 1998. Hey, I still may have watched it. Thank you very much. I, now I can't. Thank you. So we're, we're, we're stuck to this minimal, like we've got 80 years to work with. We can't really figure out what the whole story is. God is on a whole different level. And God, one thing I, lo- I, I love about God and one thing I love about the Bible that God has given us is that he makes it clear like he is playing a different game. Like we're playing checkers, he's playing chess, six dimensionally, a thousand dimensionally, and he loves a good story. God loves a well-crafted, twisty, turny story that we may not be able to fully appreciate this side of the veil. So when I see a verse like that, I recognize, okay, God's doing what God's doing and he's making a great story out of it. Yeah, and, and we see it, we we can get it, 2020 hindsight, right, is is a common phrase. Look, look back at what's happened with the history of of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And, and I think Habakkuk is such a good microcosm of this situation because Habakkuk is asking the question that we struggle with. God, what are you doing? Yeah. How can you do this? And God says, you just need to trust. I will, I will bring justice 
as justice needs to be brought, but you just need to trust yeah, that I'm, I'm doing right what time. I'm doing. And you look back at the history and you go, okay, I see that. I get that. Right. Right. And if that's true, then that is true now. And we need to have that trust and that confidence right now as well. But it's Indeed. hard. It's hard. It is hard. I'm okay. not denying that for right. sure. Right. What else from chapter 21? What, what stood out to you? Pastor Rod? Uh, verse 17, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. And I think a companion verse is in verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Mm. We have so much abundance in America. Like, man, I could go, I can eat 20 t- Texas Twinkies right now and, t- and be totally fine. I'd pay the price later, of course. <laughs> I don't think you'd be totally fine. I wouldn't be totally fine. Uh, I mean, in theory, short term, I'd be fine. I'd probably even be really happy. But I think what this proverb commends is the kind of mentality that says, I'm going to give myself enough. I'm not going to overindulge. I'm not going to give myself too much. I'm going to save. I'm not going to spend everything. Yeah. It's conveying the, the idea that the wise person is a good steward of the resources God God gives them. They're not going to squander it. They're not going to overindulge in it. They seek sufficiency and not abundance mm. um, because they know that there's a time and place where that precious oil and treasure are going to be necessary for the future. They know that there's a time and place when you should feast, but there's also times to fast. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. If you're going to squander the resources God has given you on luxuries, you're going to find yourself lacking in, in short order. So I like verses like this because they say things that I think our world naturally understands. It's a common sense proverb, but it's not a common practice proverb. Yeah, yeah. How about verse 31? The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Mm. This it goes a little bit in hand in hand of what you're talking about there. There's, there's going to be times where we're going to need to steward these things well, right? Well, the, the horse needs to be made ready for the day of battle. You can't just go into battle unprepared and expect victory just yeah. because, well, you're battle on the Lord's side. To the Lord. Right. right. So the horse is prepared, but victory ultimately comes because of God. And that's a, a, an encouraging thought there. Divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Both together. Working hand in hand. Yep. A divine mystery. Chapter 22, verse 1, again, a a proverb that I covered recently with my kids during our Bible time, but a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. A good name is our reputation. And so what having a, a good reputation with others is more valuable than riches and gold. Because if you have all this wealth and yet people think that you're just a slime ball, man, that's not going to do much for you in life. That's not mm-hmm. a good thing. You want to be well thought of, not in a prideful sense, not that our uh, worth is in the opinions of men. But uh, I think ultimately here, the, the good name of the reputation is our reputation with God is to be uh, more valuable to us than having great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. And so there's a a good principle there for us to think about how we conduct ourselves. Excellent point. Uh, Verse six, I know this is a famous one, so we might as well spend a few minutes talking about this here. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is this a guarantee that my kids are going to get saved, Pastor PJ? No. In fact, there's a possibility that this is a verse that is talking about those kids that we mentioned last time we talked about discipline. Those kids that you see that you're like, okay, there's no discipline in that kid's life. He gets to do whatever he wants to do. Mm. And so the idea may be here that he's saying, if you train up a child in the way that he wants to go, 
not not the way that you think he should go, but the way he should go in the sense of what he wants to do with his life. If you just let him go, well, don't expect him to grow up and be any different as he grows up. Right. He's going to grow up making foolish choices, just like he's going to be young making foolish choices. Mm. So we need to that. be disciplining and curbing, like we talked about earlier, being that guardian, being that 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 uh, those rails there, because the heart of the child is going to do whatever the child wants, and that's not a good thing. But there is something to be said here about the consistency. Uh, sometimes we, we we will turn to pop psychology training parenting hacks and to assume that the hack is somehow better than the word of God. Ah. Be consistent. Be consistent with what God reveals to us and trust the results to him. Sometimes you do see faithful parents whose kids do go astray. Yep. These aren't guarantees. These are general principles about how life tends to work. Yep. And God does promise there is blessing for following his path. But parents, and, and I mean, every, all of us really, all of us need to take, take into consideration that how you train is, is typically what you expect. And as now, so then, you know, he was faithful and little is faithful and much. So parents be faithful and little, whatever you have right now, whatever ages you have, be faithful and be consistent and let God handle the consequences. Yeah. A couple of, uh, of further, um, repeated themes here that we've talked about already. So we'll just glance off these, but verse nine, generosity is commended again. Whoever is a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. And so there again, we have the idea of generosity and sharing when we have the means to do that. And that's a blessed thing. Um, verse 15, again, discipline and parenting here is folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Is that what you call yourself at home? The rod of, of discipline? That's right. I am the rod of correction, <laughs> but also the rod and the staff comforts people too. So. True. Yeah. There you go. But that's what we've been talking about here is, is discipline is meant to help our children make wise choices and to, to, to keep them from foolishness, to keep them from folly. Can I first, offer one quick, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, go, you no, go for no, it. You please, you no. please you first. I was just going to touch on verse 24, make no friendship with a man given to anger nor go with a wrathful man. And that's just that, uh, that idea that, that anger can be contagious. And, uh, there's another proverb that says, uh, those who walk with the wise become wise. Mm, yes. And so here's a, a situation where the opposite is highlighted. If we spend time with those that are short tempered and angry people, then we ourselves will be prone towards those things as well. So we need to be careful about our companions. That reminds me of a saying the, you are the average of your five closest friends. Have you heard huh. that before? Huh. I, I think that's probably true to some degree. I mean, you, you are, it's, I, in fact, I, I heard a stat not too long ago. Ago, that if your closest your closest friends and influences are overweight, you have like a ninety percent chance of being overweight yourself. Huh. You heard that? No. Nope. I, I, so I think scripture. I mean, people are catching up with what scripture is saying. Um, personalities uh, bleed. Uh, influences are received, even if you're not consciously aware of it. That's yeah. happening all the time around you, which is why it's so important that you you skillfully and carefully select the people that you make your closest companions for the very reason that you just read in verse 24. Yeah. One quick thing here in verses 11 and 29. I want to connect those two verses. Verses yeah. 11 and 29. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. That is the kind of noble character that the king looks to is someone who has a pure heart and gracious speech. But look also at verse 29. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. I use verses like this to encourage my kids. Look, make sure that your character is noble and make sure that your skill is excellent. These are the kind of people that rise through the ranks. And I mean, scripture is so, again, sanctified self-interest. If you're looking to make a good life, 
Let the wisdom of Proverbs just wash over you and stuff like this. I mean, who, who wouldn't like who wouldn't respond well to this? This is so obvious and so helpful. I mean, a heathen, an atheist could take this, apply it, and be successful because of it. Yeah. That's the beauty of God's word. Yep. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter four, then we uh, pick back up with the Apostle Paul as he is writing about how the gospel then is uh, effective. And he's acknowledging, hey, you know what? Yeah, it is ineffective with some people, but we're not going to, uh, we're not going to adjust it. We're not going to change course. We're not going to tamper with it. We're not going to practice cunning uh, with it because it, the problem is not with the message, but with the sinfulness and hardness of hearts. And, and he has an interesting statement here. If we pick up in verse three, it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You may have shared the gospel with somebody in your life and and what may be so plain and so evident to you, you find somebody continually resistant to those truths. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's, you know, a neighbor or a a coworker and you're going, what, what, what don't they get? What don't they, how can they not see their need for Christ? How can, how can they not see this? And this is Paul's answer here is the problem is not that you need a new delivery or a new angle on the gospel or a new method of sharing the gospel or to change the gospel. That's not the problem. The problem is they, they're, they're blinded to being able to see their need for Christ. And the answer that the, the only answer to that is what he says in verse six, the answer is God shining the light into their hearts to be able to allow them to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So this is really Paul's treatment in a different angle of the concept of God's sovereignty over salvation, that there are those that are not believing and trusting in Jesus because the God of this world who Satan has blinded their, their eyes. And yet the one responsible for removing that veil is God. God can remove the veil and allow Christ to penetrate that veil so that we can come to faith in Christ. And that's true. That's, that's happened for all of us who are believers. And so uh, this is one of another one of those situations where God's playing chess and we're playing checkers and and we can't fully wrap our minds around how this works. But one thing that we can take away from this is a gratitude. We can be thankful that that God has opened our eyes to see the light of the glory of Jesus Christ and, and that we have trusted in that. That's not because we're better than the unsaved in our lives. It's because God's grace and his sovereignty and that's beyond our pay grade to understand why on that. So one of the times I went to the Angel Stadium, I actually paid attention to the game. Because I mean, I feel like I know baseball. A guy hits a ball, runs the bases, they score a, a touchdown, yep. and they make it. You got it. it. So I, I, I sat next to somebody who's like a baseball, like she knows baseball. And even though I know baseball, I did not appreciate. I mean, it's, it's fine. Like I'm not against it. I'm I'm an American, so I do like baseball <laughs> in some measure, I suppose. But it's not something I'm going to actively seek out. I'm not going to buy tickets unless it's one of my kids who wants to go. Then I might do it for their for their sake. But I didn't. I don't care. I don't care much about it. But I sat next to somebody who knows baseball. And he patiently explained to me, oh, what, is that, what does that number mean on the board? And why is he doing that? And why did the umpire do this? And he patiently took time to explain to me what was happening. And I, I would say that night, for the first time ever, I thought, this is actually kind of cool. I think I might actually enjoy this. I mean, just thinking about all the technical knowledge you have to have and the stats, how much how much yeah. stats play a role into the strategy. I mean, I, I, I grew an appreciation for baseball that night. And I think sometimes we... You know, God's obviously working in the spiritual realm, but we often don't. Christianity is not a simpleton's religion. Like yeah. it is complex. It's beautiful, like a diamond. So many different shapes and facets to it that shine differently depending on the way you look at it. 
Sometimes it just takes the patience of a persistent evangelist to help them see that light. Now, granted, this is all of God, but he often will use the means of our faithfulness to open eyes. So don't lose hope. Stay at it. Trust that God will do it in his timing. But maybe you can be that patient person who explains the things that you and I take for granted and help them understand it at a simpleton's level. That's what I needed for the baseball. Maybe that's what your friends need in the gospel. Helpful. Helpful illustration there for sure. Paul continues and he's talking more about the the conflict and the the spiritual warfare. I think as he's building on this idea of spiritual warfare is present in the fact that the God of this world has blinded the eyes. But then he goes on to say, here's some of the things that we've endured. We have this treasure in jars of clay because we want to show ultimately that the power belongs to God. And so what has happened? Well, we've been afflicted. We've been crushed. We've been uh, driven to despair or not driven to despair. We've been persecuted. We've been struck down. And in all these things, he's yes, saying, Lord, yeah. yes, Lord, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, Lord. come on. I know, I know yeah, you hear it. You're singing it. <laughs> yeah. And even going so far as to say, always carrying in the body of death, in the body, the death of Jesus is saying so much so that even some of them have been given over to death for the, the cause of Christ as well. And, and Paul's conclusion in this is, is yet we're going to, we're going to press on. And that's kind of where he lands at the end of chapter four. He says, we're not going to lose heart. Look, our outer self may be wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction, which again, go back to that list in verses seven through 11 to read about some of that light momentary affliction or Fast forward to Second Corinthians chapter 11 and read about some of Paul's light momentary affliction in his resume of earthly suffering there in Second Corinthians 11. It says this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison Ooh. as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So just a rallying cry. That's one of those like halftime pep talks that Paul gives. So encouraging. Yeah, and don't miss the connection between the end of chapter three and the end of chapter four. We're looking, okay, we're beholding, you might say. We're beholding the things that are not seen, not the temporal stuff, not the earthly things that we're looking at, but the things that are unseen, the eternal things. We're not looking at the transient world that's disintegrating. We're looking at the unseen and eternal realm that is forever perpetuating. Yeah. And that's the way that we're transformed from the from the same image, in the same image from one degree of glory to another. So behold, look, and examine the right things. Give your heart, your mind, and affections to that which will ultimately be valuable. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we pray that this has been another encouraging episode of the Daily Bible Podcast I'm for encouraged. you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Pastor Rod's encouraged. So there you go. And I am too. And we hope and pray that you will join us, Lord willing, tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye.